what's going on guys welcome back to the you know ball podcast i am your host troll bro dude and um sam uh how was your weekend what'd you get up to well then i just kind of chilled yeah. is there anything going on this weekend no do you, you enjoy the new zelda game yeah no it's really good i'm building a lot of things i'm crucifying koroks cool uh, and like put them on a little thing and stuff so before we hopped on trill showed me this little pen um, it kind of looked like uh, the one in Men in Black, but yeah, it made a big. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's all I can remember is that uh, you know the, there was uh, Zelda, a lot of Zelda this weekend. So that's it. That's that's all that happened this weekend. There was no, there was nothing else that could have possibly happened. So since there was nothing, let's talk about our sponsors from Underdog Fantasy before we get into anything else. God damn, you can tell in my voice that I'm feeling great. Um. Hold on one second. Let me pull this up. You can go to Underdog Fantasy, and they have pick them in drafts or some shit. I don't know. Fucking look at this. You can pick higher or lower on your favorite players. You use the promo code SLOP. You get a $100 deposit match. That's cool. LeBron James is on here. Anthony Davis. Specifically, Joel Embiid and James Harden. Not on here. Not on here. You can't pick them because they didn't make it to the fucking conference finals again. You can pick from Jimmy Butler, who was on the Sixers at one point. You can pick from Jason Tatum, who just destroyed the whole fucking team. Jalen Brown, he killed us early in the series. Marcus Smart, he was great all series. Al Horford shot like 27% as a Sixer and now can't miss as a Celtic. So go on Underdog and uh, make some picks on there and draft some players that are actually in the conference finals and not losers. Not losers. Guys that can get to the conference finals and you can draft them on their fantasy drafts. You can you can do higher or lower on their points. They're probably going to do a bunch of promos on there for the playoffs. I'm so mad I can't even fucking pick one today because I have just been sulking for 24 hours over this fucking disaster of a Sixers game. So go to Underdog Fantasy and pick from there on the pick'em or the fantasy draft. Use the promo code slot. Support the program. I'm going to kill myself. All right, anyway. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, yesterday was a fucking disaster. Um, I, I, I just want to put you in in my my frame of mind going into this game. Mm-hmm. First thing happened was so. First off, before the game even starts, we get these we get these press leaks <laughs> on the day of. The first one was by Mark Spears, who wrote about Tobias Harris investing in real estate and small businesses to expand his portfolio. And I was like, oh, this is already off to a horrible, horrible start on the day of a game. So why would you leak this? The day? Like, We're all I don't care if Tobias is a landlord. Well, I do care, but I, I for other reasons. Yeah. And. Like it's already known that Sixers fans have hated on Tobias Harris because he got this crazy contract from the team. Not necessarily his fault, but obviously not great timing for that. Then an hour or two later, we get a leak from Woj about the the officiating in Game Six of the Celtics Sixers series, which we did a podcast on that game. Afterwards, I don't remember any officiating being like overly terrible in that game. To be honest, like I. I Apparently, they missed more calls for the Sixers than they did for the Celtics that Woj tweeted about. That leak specifically, I think a lot of people thought it came from Barrel Morey. 
I actually, we theorize, we actually think it came from Doc Rivers because Doc is the one who was trying to project, protect his job as the Sixers head coach. But either way, loser vibes from the jump. Already making up excuses for potentially losing this game and losing this series. Um, the team shot fucking 23% from three in game six. They had every opportunity to win that game at home. And all season, I've been saying I felt like this team is different. I've been saying that I felt like this is a new Sixers team that can get over the hump, that can get back to the conference finals if they avoided one matchup, which was the Boston Celtics. They ran into the Celtics. They missed Joel Embiid in the first game, and they won. And then they pushed the series to seven games. They could have won in six at home, like I said. And I'm going to be honest. I do think that, let me put it in context here. I do think that the Sixers team was different. The guys around Joel Embiid were different this year. They had guys that could carry for stretches. They had, the role players came out ready to fucking play in game seven yesterday. PJ Tucker proved me wrong. I didn't think we should start him. He hit 11 points in the first quarter. DeAnthony Melton was everywhere defensively. Blocks, steals, playing great defense on basically everyone but Jason Tatum, but who wasn't, it didn't matter what we did with Jason Tatum yesterday. He was absolutely destroying the whole fucking team. And then in addition to that, once again, Tobias Harris was dunking the ball in transition. He had a layup in transition, things that he has not been able to do this whole fucking series. Maxi showed up. Everyone seemed locked in, engaged from the jump, except for Joel Embiid and James Harden. And the thing that I have said over and over and over again in this series is this team's going to go as far as Joel Embiid can take them. Harden has his horrible, horrible game sometimes. He had four in this series, and we lost all four of those games. He had one decent game and two great games. And you're just not going to win when your two best players, especially with how Joel Embiid performed over the last five quarters of this series, you're just not going to win those series if you have them just looking lackadaisical from the tip-off. Like, it wasn't even like he was tired in the second half, like when he came back from injury. And it wasn't even like he was disengaged when the game was out of hand. It was in the first quarter we were on the stream, like, what the fuck is Joel doing? Defensively, he didn't look engaged. Offensively, he was sloppy. He was throwing up bricks. He had barely had any rebounds in the first half. And the team went on a run when he went to the bench, which is never, ever the case. He gets put back in. The Celtics go on a run of their own to make it up three points at halftime. And it's looking like a game, but you could tell the direction the game was headed in. You came in at halftime during our stream. And I was like, this is not good because we know how our stars play. Our stars don't, don't play like Jason Tatum did in game six, where he can be doo-doo ass for three quarters and then a superstar in the fourth. They're always vibes-based. They're always, you can tell their effort level from the jump. And both Joel Embiid and James Harden played like total dog shit in the biggest game in Sixers. The, but honestly, most of the last two games, which were the biggest Sixers games since 2001. And until either Joel figures out whatever his playoff shit is, or they can somehow hope that Tyrese Maxey becomes this all-star level player who can create in his own offense in the playoffs. You're just going to see the same fucking results over and over and over again. And it is very frustrating to me because I have been saying all series, 
This team's going to go as far as Joel Embiid can take them. I've been saying it for a while now, and people give me shit all the time for criticizing Joel. This is why I criticize him, dude. Like, the two biggest games we need you to show up, and you don't show up for the last five quarters of the games. And this is just so, 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 so fucking frustrating when it felt like this team really had a chance to win the championship. I would say their best chance since 2018, 2019. And he sold with the game on the line, with the series on the line, with the season on the line. And I don't want to hear a thing about the refs. I don't want to hear a thing about Doc Rivers. I don't want to hear a thing about any any of the role players. Your best player needs to take the fucking ball, take the game into his hands like Jason Tatum did yesterday. Someone who we have also criticized for being up and down, but he showed up when it mattered most. And that's kind of my whole thing on this. So rant over. I'm just fucking, I'm pissed because I felt like they they blew a perfect opportunity with two fucking games. They couldn't win one game after the Celtics tried to hand it to them over and over and over again throughout this whole series. And the Celtics were the better team and the Celtics are the better team, but it doesn't mean they were going to win the series. So that's my rant. That's how I feel. I feel really fucking frustrated because I've been trying to stay engaged and I've been trying to stay on top of this team and make sure that this wasn't going to be like other years and, and hope that it was different. But ultimately, it does turn out to be different. And the only reason why is because the star player, specifically the MVP of the league, didn't fucking show up during the biggest moments. Done. He's, he's done it, folks. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I I thought, I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I feel... I feel like this is not a, a space for, for, for me to be in. <laughs> I do not. I feel like anything I, I do, I can hear the listeners hissing and booing. And <laughs> I want to be thrown off a, a cliff. I mean, let me, can I, can I at least try to take a crack at um, Silver Linings? Um, I do think this Sixers team was different in a lot of ways than, like, previous Sixers teams. I mean, this was not a five-game loss to the hospital Celtics. This wasn't losing to the Hawks or the Miami Heat or anything like this. This was a seven-game slugfest against, like, what I think is the best team in the NBA still. like The championship favorites. Yes. Like, I so... And, I mean, yes, like, the Celtics were also, like, pooping their pants, and I, that's got to be, like very frustrating like to lose when that door is open but i also you know it's not like you know it's not like the 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 sixers didn't make progress like i know that they lost in the second round again but like all the other stuff was has been like injuries and stuff this was like a matchup against the team we said this over and over and over again that like the Celtics are also just a nightmare matchup for the Sixers. Like, if I had told you, like, I don't know, in, like, January or something, like, the Sixers lose in seven to the Celtics, like, I think you would have been disappointed, but you wouldn't have been like, you would have been like, well, I, I, mean, I picked the Celtics to win in six, and I, and that was, that was with me having hope that Joel would barely miss any of the series. Like, you're, you're right. You're, you're, you're totally right. Yeah. You're 100% right when it comes to the context of everything. Yes. But it's impossible to remove the historical context of what Joel has done in the playoffs past the first round, what Harden has done at times in the playoffs, what, you know, honestly, people are giving Doc a bunch of shit. I thought Doc was great in this series. I really can't. I genuinely can't 
hold anything against him. Like we won game one without our best player. We won game five, which was the most pivotal game that we've had. We came back in game four. Like once again, I thought the Celtics were the better team and they were the favorites for a reason. It's not like fucking we were really anticipated to win this series at all. Like I can't put that at the feet of the coach when the second best player on the team is sometimes the worst player on the court for games. And then Joel, while he has his two and three quarter games where he looks awesome, like he did in game four and game five, he also has this level that this ceiling to his game in the playoffs that is frustrating when you're completely reliant on him carrying your team and carrying your offense. So once again, I understand, like, my rational, logical brain can say, I never thought they were going to beat the Celtics. My fan brain, my, I've been sitting through this shit for six fucking years, and the team had the best opportunity that they've had in years with the best team that they've had in years, and they blew two straight games, specifically that game six. Game seven was like a pathetic performance and like I didn't feel great heading into it anyway until the first quarter happened and I was like, okay, if PJ Tucker's making, (laughs) scoring 11 points, that might be an omen that like we're here to hang in this game at the very least. But, uh, But the game six performance is really where they just let everything go. That's where that collapse down the stretch of that game where they couldn't hit a fucking shot. Like, Someone said to me, should we just fire Daryl Morey? Because apparently his historical luck with shooting in the playoffs is just like, like it's like game seven was, was on everyone. Like it was just like, like oh, mainly the stars, but like it was a, 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 it was a lot of bad, terrible things from our best players. The game six was literally like good three point shooters, just missing wide open shots. <laughs> Which is, once again, the Daryl Morey thing. Like, you lean into variance, you're going to have that happen sometimes. The Celtics had it happen to him in Game 5 of this series where they shot in the 20s. The Sixers had it happen to him in Game 6 of this series where they shot in the 20s. But ultimately, you're totally right on all these things. But my my thing is, like, what you talked about last time was, like, the storybook ending. And, like, I've had a few people say that to me. Like, Joel finally getting over the hump beating the Celtics. Uh them facing Miami with Jimmy who left the team uh, who now is in his third conference finals in four years since leaving the team. Great. Um, And then Jokic potentially in the finals or at the very least, Anthony Davis, who has also been kind of a rival of Embiid's throughout uh, his career. And it really a chance to rewrite your, your story and your legacy and, and all that shit. And, it ended in that fourth quarter in game six because he didn't touch the ball the last three minutes of the game. He missed both shots. He took in the last five minutes of that game. Um, And then game seven, it was like you let a good team hang around long enough and you survived the Jason Tatum shit doo doo ass game from game six. You're going to eventually that's going to regress. And that I didn't think he was going to score fucking 51 points, but you're going to get a star performance from one of their guys. And then the role players will all fall into place and everything will click on their end. You're giving them the opportunity. They gave them the opportunity so many fucking times. And it feels like the same old story because it's like the other team just had a player who rose to the occasion and the Sixers didn't like Jimmy did last year. Kawhi did in 2019. 
you know, the original hospital Celtics one was more like a collective effort, I would say. Uh, but like, even in the bubble, like Tatum outplayed and beat in that series. Like plenty of, plenty of guys have outplayed him in these later, these, these bigger playoff matchups. The, the bubble one, that one was just like a cut and dry. Like the Sixers were just undermanned. Like that was like, I don't even really count. We shot like, no, as a team, I think we shot like 30% from three in that whole series. I think, I literally think Shake Milton was the only one that shot over 35% from three. Tobias shot like 20%, Josh Richardson, like everyone was terrible. But, um, but yeah, long story short on this, I, it's, because now we talked about the weight of this game, right? And the weight of these two games and how they will dictate either the Celtics future or the Sixers future. And I talked about why there's more pressure on the Sixers you have James Harden's pending free agency. You have Doc Rivers potentially on the chopping block. Whereas the Celtics stuff was like a little bit more, they had more flexibility. They could solve some shit. And you had the opportunity to really kind of handicap a team that is going to be in your way for winning a title in this East. And now like, of all, if you stack up all the teams in the East right now, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Heat, the Sixers are very clearly the fourth team in terms of playoff success in terms of playoff viability currently currently like moving forward let's say like the heat have been to multiple conference finals the bucks have been to multiple conference finals they've won a title you guys have got to the finals they've got to the finals the sixers have not and until the sixers get to a conference finals or a finals and like that's not that's removing the fact that like i think cleveland's going to be better next year i think orlando's going to be better next year the knicks have a chance to make a splash this summer like you're now looking at a summer that is literally like i think it's over already if i'm just going to be completely honest and i know i'm not supposed to say that because it's like like i think that they blew their shot i think they missed their window having said that moving forward this is really your last chance to do to salvage anything that could be remotely rememberable of uh, of this era other than the joel and bead winning mvp if you can somehow nail this offseason you can figure out some way around some shit and you can you can come back next year and do something, but like it's very much up to what Daryl Morey does this offseason. And your margin for error is nothing now. You've already had a thin margin for error because you've sent all the assets out the door to make this team. But now you literally have to nail this, or we're looking at a situation where a year from now we're probably trading Joel and Bean. That's just kind of the reality of the situation. I don't think he's gonna ask out this summer, but I, I think after that performance, he's gonna want to try to redeem himself and redeem the team next year and hope that Maxi grows. And I think Harden's gone. I don't know, honestly, but this, this really feels like you blew your fucking shot. And now you have to completely regroup this off season and then go into next year and hope that, uh, you know, you either get some injury luck or you, you just, you know, you get that Maxi star leap or whatever it is. And like, now your margin for error is nothing. You have to, you have to do something. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, Joel has three years left on his contract and then a fourth year player option. So, you know, second to last year is when the, that that's when the trade stuff comes. So yep. you got like one more year. Um, you know, you've got a $40 million expiring contract for Tobias Harris, um, which in previous years would be like, so what? I do think there's a little bit of value, not necessarily value to that, but if you want to like 
move some stuff around. Like nobody has any cap space right now. Like, so if other people want to move around stuff, there are guys, teams like the Phoenix Suns, like the, um, the um, Golden State Warriors, those types of teams are trying to move large amounts of money and might be trying to move multiple guys. So, you know, this isn't like in previous years where, like, Tobias, if you wanted to move on from him, like, that was just a total non-starter with how big his contract is. Like, he has an expiring deal, and there are enough giant contracts out there that, like, this could, you know, Daryl is, like, a cap sheet guy and a dork, dork and a nerd. So, like, he could move some of this stuff around, you know, depending on what happens with James Harden. And, like, there's a lot of good guys still on this team, like, under contract. Like, Maxi, most noticeable, like, and Melton are probably the two most important ones. P.J. Tucker, although he's getting a little bit older. I mean, that's a pretty, like, strong foundation of your team. And just given – I know James Harden, like, did a lot for the team, but, like, I wonder if, given how he performs in the playoffs, I wonder if it's not the worst thing in the world to have Tyrese Maxey kind of step up and just like, let's take the training wheels off and see what we got at this point. You know, yeah. so yeah, that's kind of how you have to look at it. Yeah, it's funny because it, yeah. it's funny because I'm trying to balance the Harden thing where I'm like, he was somehow the worst player on the court during the four losses, but mm-hmm. also if he doesn't have that game one, game four they probably get swept <laughs> like, or they lose in five at a minimum. Like maybe they, they steal game four still, but like, I don't know. It feels like he was somehow so important, but also so detrimental uh, to their success. And I mean, he was, it was basically every game you can point out and say he was the success and the failure, but it's more, it, it's less about like what we see in the numbers and what we see, we've seen throughout the history with Harden in the playoffs. And it's more about, He's not getting any younger, and also you saw you're going to have to pay him a lot of money, and you saw in that Game 7, like, dude, the thing that worries me the most is, like, him and Joel both seem kind of shook in a way that, like, Tyrese Maxey's 22 and he wasn't, and, like, like Harden had multiple plays yesterday where he's driving to the rim and there was either a wide-open layup and he kicked it to the corner. Like, they were giving him the layup hoping that they could recover and block him at the rim. He was afraid to take layups. He was kicking it to the corner or he was dribbling it. Like he dribbled it like almost over his head multiple times, like drive. I was like, what is happening? And now you have this decision with Harden where like, apparently this is, did did you see what Ramona Shelburne said? No, no. So she said what she thinks is going to happen is that she, so everything that we've heard from Woj, oh, the Rockets are a real possibility all this shit. Yeah. We've always kind of, I've always said, first off, it is a real threat. We've learned every time these fucking things happen. Yeah. You talked about it with the Kyrie thing with the Celtics. There've been so many times where guys are connected to teams and everyone denies it, denies it, denies it. And then it happens. So I do think it is a real possibility. I I think that Harden might say, you know, we, we missed our shot and I just want to go play and live in Houston again. But she basically said what we've kind of been theorizing, which is that she doesn't see James Harden back in Philly if Doc Rivers is still the coach. And that's the thing that is going to be interesting here because if some team tries to pry Doc Rivers away, I don't think the Sixers are going to like be like, no. Throw their body in front of him. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
I yeah. think last year what happened with the Lakers was it came down to Darvin Ham, and then maybe they were interested in Doc Rivers. And the Sixers were like, okay, if you'll take Doc Rivers, like we, we, we will gladly get off his contract, essentially. Because they pay Doc a lot of money. Yeah. But I've been trying to tell people if if they are to move on from Doc and they just buy him out of his contract, which not even buying that, they just have to pay the rest of his two years left on his deal. He makes $8 million a year. And you know what the team that just dodged the tax isn't going to do? Pay two coaches at once that make real salaries. Like you're not getting Nick Nurse or Mike Budenholzer or Monty Williams. You're getting a Charles Lee. What's that? You're getting Charles Lee, and you're. Gonna I was going like, to say you're getting yes, you're getting what the Celtics got with Udoka last year, or you're getting someone that is a new first-time head coach that's looking for an opportunity. Now maybe you can upgrade from within and like promote Sam Cassell or whatever, but like. Sam Cassell's interviewed for a hundred jobs in the NBA and college basketball all over the place. And he has never once gotten a job. So it's possible that he's just not really a good head coaching candidate. The players seem to like him, but I don't really know. So the, the Harden thing seems like it is kind of tied to the doc thing where if doc's back, Harden's gone. If Harden's gone, doc might be back. I'm fully fine with them keeping doc. Uh, I don't think that doc was the problem once again. And I, 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 after game five, I was like, Doc's coached a great series. Like, I, I really can't get mad at it. And, like, uh, Steph No tweeted, uh, the journalist tweeted a video of, like, you can't put the defensive shit on Doc from yesterday. They tried, like, ten different things with Tatum, and it didn't really matter. He was just they, – they put multiple guys on him. They hedged. They blitzed them. They did everything. They switched. They did what – and Tatum was just getting whatever he wanted. So, like, Doc tried to make adjustments. They didn't work. And Doc tried different things. He pulled the right lever sometimes, throwing Daniel House out there in one game. George Niang was played fucking great in this series somehow. Um, and, like, I, I once again don't think Doc is the problem. And, like, I, I think that if if anything, the only reason that you would move on from Doc Rivers after a loss like this is if there are multiple veteran guys in the locker room, like Joel and PJ, who agree with James Harden, who say – yeah, maybe it's time to get a new voice in here. Maybe it's time to get someone else that could, you know, have a different plan, like run a different style offense. Like that's the one thing that people have really been criticizing is that the Sixers offense is like super ISO heavy when the pick and roll isn't there. They really don't have any go-to bread and butter options. But like, I kind of think that was more a result of just the Celtics figuring them out over the course of a series and having better defensive lineups out there uh, to deal with that, especially when you guys went to double bigs. But uh, but, but long story short here, it's like one of James Harden or Doc Rivers is going to be gone here. And I'm kind of leaning towards just letting James Harden walk, hoping that Maxie can become the guy he, he, he can be. And then trying to reshape the team next year, because I know people will just not be interested in the team next year. And by the way, I can't blame a single person. If you, if you don't follow the podcast, if you want to check out, I get it, dude. I'm fun. If I, if, if I didn't have to do this, I wouldn't be doing this right now. <laughs> like, I, like, it drives me insane just as much as it drives you insane. So like, I'm kind of at the point where I think that letting James Harden go be, if Houston wants to give him a max contract, best of luck, dude, because you like, I just can't imagine giving uh $50 million a year to a guy who you're just not going to know what you get on any given night. Like he can be amazing and he can also be 
terrible. And it's like, it's hard to get that, especially when you're concerned already about with the Sixers specifically, is that you kind of get that from your best player as well. And like all things considered, I appreciate what James did for the team. I think he lifted up Joel and made Joel a better player. I think that he helped Maxi kind of in, in his role and all that shit. But like, it's probably just better for both sides if he ends up moving on. Got you guys off the Ben Simmons grenade. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, but did you see Ben Simmons post the Instagram? I was like, yeah. the, the lack of awareness on this dude to post that when this team swept your team last year when you didn't play at all. You, you literally couldn't play, brother. Like, and then you, know, you got swept by them this, by the Sixers this year and you yeah. didn't play. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, he, I, I don't know. Like someone said, it was the ultimate. I, uh, I know that ain't who I think it is. Moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I mean, I get that we're gonna see if his back is actually hurt. Apparently, uh, Michael Porter Jr., who, by the way, always has good information. All of the information that he has is great. Um, yeah. He says that uh, it was the same back surgery he had, and it takes two years to come back from it. So. Yeah. All right. If you're gonna be tweeting like that, Ben Simmons, you better be. Yeah. Uh, Come back, back season. You better be back next year, brother. You're uh, you're in trouble. Um, he's not really in trouble. I mean, he's living in Brooklyn, New York, as a, like a multi millionaire. Like he's still one. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I, by the way, I don't know if he, th- there were multiple things today about this Harden back to Houston thing. I don't know if you saw. Uh, I saw a couple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zach Lowe and, and Tim McMahon basically have both said. Houston's like, yeah, he's coming back. Like, I think that the 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 lottery is tomorrow night. By the way, you can watch the lottery with me on playback. Um, if you if you have uh, if you have any tr- like reason to you know live right now and you want to just like come watch me uh, see what what teams are going to get Victor Webinyamba, that would be very cool. Uh, but he basically said. Like multiple people basically said the Sixers have been denying it, but the Sixers have multiple plans to pivot away from Harden if he leaves. Because the Tobias thing is the big thing. Because I tweeted and I said, Hey, are there any cap nerds out there that uh like could help me figure this out? And I know you're good with cap stuff. Mm-hmm. I figured out if so you said there aren't many teams with cap space, but there are a few. Like there's OKC a couple. Has, OKC has cap space again. Golden, uh, not Golden State, uh, Houston, obviously, but Houston doesn't really help yeah. the Sixers because they're going to. I, I, I can tell you teams with 30 million, more than 30 million in cap space uh, the Hornets, the Pistons, the Thunder, the Jazz, the Spurs, the Magic, and the Rockets. And then there's some teams on the edge of wiggle room, like the Lakers, Pacers, and Kings, but. They're probably bringing back their guys, so exactly some of their guys. So I was going to say the the only teams that you mentioned there that if you're trying to get if you're trying to get off the Tobias Harris contract, and maybe there's a team that likes Jaden Springer who you drafted uh, two years ago and yeah. is still 21 years old. He, sh- I mean, he won G League Finals MVP. Uh, he showed some flashes uh, in the last Sixers regular season game, playing great defense on Trey Young. Um, he's certainly going to probably be a rotation level NBA player at the very minimum. And he, like, he is the guy that you're probably looking at to try to get off that Tobias Harris contract. Because right now you don't have, 
you don't really have any picks. Like you might be able to unprotect your 29 pick if you want to get really crazy and throw that out there. But Maury doesn't generally do that kind of stuff. But you could move Tobias Harris. If, if James Harden walks, you move Tobias Harris. You somehow get off the Furkan Korkmaz contract that's still there somehow. You can get to like 50 to 55 million in cap space. And you'd still have Paul Reed and uh, Paul Reed and Jaden uh, Jalen McDaniel's with low cap hits. So, to my knowledge, maybe you could help me with this better. Yeah. If they were to somehow go out there and move on from Tobias and Jaden Springer, uh, and they got off the Furkan Korkmaz guy, let's just say hypothetically all this shit. Okay. Is there any way that they could bring back if they do order of operations? Could they bring back Paul Reed and uh, McDaniel's at like let's say they each make like eight million a year next year or something, and then still have access to that cap space because they wouldn't have to eat into the cap space to retain those guys if they have their bird rights, right? Uh, I believe so. I'm looking up their cap holds right now. They're very low. Jalen yeah. McDaniels is like 1.8 and yeah. Paul's is like 3.5. Yeah. His is, uh, yeah, his, well, uh, his qualifying offer is 2.2. Um, okay. I think the cap holds, yeah, is like this. I don't think these numbers are right that I'm looking at because I think it would be like, yeah, 3.3, something like that. So, yeah, it's, it is. It, you're talking about like $5 million. I mean, hey, if you can do it, I just, I guess I'm just kind of skeptical that you can actually get yeah, off the bias Harris contract for like no assets as an expiring. What I'm thinking about is more something like a halfway pivot move where again, yeah, it's something like this and Jaden Springer. Like it's Tobias and Jalen Springer for like Cody Martin and Terry Rozier. Or I was going to say something yeah. like, Gordon Hayward and Cody Martin or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like something where it's like, you know, is, is it very exciting? No, but could it be a more balanced way to like set up your team with like, uh, you know, Maxi kind of waiting in the wings and looking like he's ready for like a bigger role, you know, like if you do have like a little bit more defensive specialty, I don't know, you got a Martin twin in there. Like, Let's go. The other one's working out great for the Heat. I watched him look like yeah. fucking LeBron James against the Knicks in the one game. I think the Martins are good. I think they're both good. Like, on, yeah. like honestly, like I thought Cody was the better one until Caleb went on this run with the Heat. So. I know. Um, when we talked about this like a year ago, when we were talking about pending free agents, Parm was saying that the market inefficiency is just signing the worst twin. And he was like, <laughs> yeah. just, he's like, genetically, they're the same guy. <laughs> so you signed Robin Lopez, you signed Caleb Martin, and they you, might end you, up being good. You draft a Star Thompson. Exactly. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. YKB. Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're in on a Star Thompson. This is, <laughs> if you draft him, he's good. But yeah, I mean, I think that would be. I mean, yeah, because they're going to have – they have a ton of second-round guys. That is one of the big um, inefficiencies. I'm trying to remember because there is there what there is sometimes like a little bit of a weird rule with them, but I think all of those guys have been on the team for three years, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, then then if they're, they've been on the team for more than three years, yeah, you're going to be fine there. And, yeah, so that's going to be like $5 million. So you would have cap space. Now the well, problem we, is – Okay, so here's the thing. 
McDaniels hasn't been on, but we got his rights because he was already on the Hornets yeah. for multiple years. And yeah. Reed has been on the team for three years now. And yeah. So, yeah. 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 So, th- so those guys, I, I, I'm trying to remember, I'm pretty sure the cap hits, I think you, they would be pretty small. That's why the second round picks are like so important. Cause it's like usually one and a half times, whatever your previous salary was. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, but I, I think, I just think the problem is that you run into there though, is it's like, okay, but now what are you doing with that cap space? Because do you just, are you interested in Chris Middleton? Let's say best case scenario for the Sixers um, is that they are somehow a team's like, you know what? Fuck it. We'll take a year on Tobias. Maybe we could bring him back at a lower cap hit the next year for like 15 million or whatever. And he can be like the Spurs are just like, fuck it. Who cares? We like Jaden Springer. We'll take on the contract and, We'll see yeah. if we can bring back Tobias at a lower clip and he'll be like the veteran locker room guy for a year. We're not doing anything anyway. We're the fucking Spurs. So let's just hypothetically say best case scenario that happens. This is with James Harden leaving. Because if you bring back James Harden, every, I keep saying everyone saying, oh, dump Tobias, dump Tobias. That's a scenario where you have to look at getting the Terry Rozier, Cody Martin style packages back. Because that's a scenario where you have no road to cap space. If James Harden comes back, your cap space is gone. That's it. So there is no cap space. You're barely going to even have any, uh, like, you'll have your MLE, but, like, that's it. And, like, the team would have to spend a lot of fucking money to if they'd even be willing to do that. And with the new rules, it's going to get really complicated with the taxpayer shit. And, yeah. If, yeah. I mean, if you bring James Harden back on his max, like, you're already I in the tax. Yeah, you're for, fucked. You don't even get your. We might not even get the taxpayer mid level. Well, that's what I'm saying. You might even be at the second apron at that point. Yeah, like because you would be at a. I think about 180 million. At that it's point. a lot of fucking money. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like you, 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 you sacrifice all of your flexibility to run it back with the same team. Maybe you could move Tobias for a rotation player for two rotation players or whatever. So there's that plan. But let's say we move away from that, and there's a perfect best case scenario where Harden, in in the case of Harden walking, where Harden walks, you send out, and everyone's like, oh, this free agency class sucks. And I'm like, I don't disagree. I don't think that the free agency class is great. There are some guys you could take some swings on, for sure. Austin Reeves is one from the Lakers. They're not going to be able to bring him back, probably. He's definitely going to make more than four, four years, 50 million. Um, Kyle Kuzma is another one. Jeremy Grant... There are guys that if you blow them away with $30 million offers and the chance to compete on possibly a better team for a guy like Kuzma, and you could be in the ballpark for some of these guys. Once again, we come back to the same problem, which is if Maxi doesn't make the leap, none of this matters. Like if Maxi isn't the guy next year, he's never going to be the level of playmaker that James Harden is. He's probably going to be not he's definitely not going to be the same level of ball handler as James Harden, but you're just hoping that he complements everything else so well and that you can put the right pieces around Joel to keep the team competitive, to keep the window at least slightly cracked open. But like if we run it back with Harden, I'm just like, I feel like it's just going to be the same exact movie over and over and over. And like, we kind of already know, like once again, maybe with better health luck for Joel, how many times have we said that? It's like, this is his fourth time, fifth time in six years, fourth time. I think the only year he never had an injury was the bubble year. 
And that was a very unique scenario that just yeah. doesn't happen. And it's hard for him to balance the injuries and staying in shape. That's been the thing. And everyone's, I've had multiple people reach out to me like, why does he look so tired in these fourth quarters? Like he's in year eight or 10. Like why, like why is he still have these issues? And I'm like, he gets injured all the time. And he's talked about it publicly. If I'm injured, I can't play for two weeks. I can try to stay in shape, but nothing is going to get me ready for playing in a playoff game, blah, 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 blah. This is, this feels like the only way that you bring back James Harden is if Joel is like, I want to try it for one more year. And uh, you you just say, fuck it. And then hope that a year from now, if Joel asks out, you can move the Harden contract to somewhere else like Houston. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's like part of the thing. Like, it's so hard to project what's going to happen because it does seem like, I agree with, I think we both agree that it seems like I would put it at like 80% that Harden's going back to Houston. Would you, would you have it that higher? Yeah, I think we had to make the conference finals for him to come back, to be yeah. honest. Like, I think, that the, I think that he had it in his head. Like, he said at the press conference, same thing as last year. We lost in the second round. Like, like, like it's not an improvement. Like, even if we got – we took a better team to another game and we didn't have Joel for one game this year instead of two games last year. But, like, I think he views it as a failure. Like, I, everyone should view this season as a failure. Well, and, and but the other thing is, like – I don't want to get psychoanalyzing James Harden, but the fact that he's considering going back to Houston kind of makes me think that winning is not what's most important to him. Like, and yeah, then, I mean, you know, we're sitting here, we're sitting here on Monday, May 15th. And if DeAnthony Melton or PJ Tucker hit two more threes in game six, we could be talking about the Sixers with a path to the NBA championship. Yes, yes. And a few things go in the other direction, and we could be talking about something completely different today, which is something that is sparing that they get Victor Webb and Yamba, by the way. Yeah, that's that's what it is. That's the exception. That's essentially what it is. That's why we're... If was... they get Victor Webb and Yamba, different conversation. I think they're going to be contenders pretty, pretty quickly, within two or three years. But if they don't get Victor Webb and Yamba, a lot of teams could say the same fucking thing. If they don't get Victor Webb and Yamba... They're probably going to be a worse a worse team than the Sixers will be in the next two years, regardless of outcomes of playoff series. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think that just the issue, I, I guess, like I'm not even really trying to like kill Harden for like his life choice. Like, who cares? You know, he's he's 34. Like, if you want to just go chill out where you're popular, like that's fine. You know, like I, I don't think that's that big of a deal, but I'd like, let's not pretend like he like is seeing the diamonds in the rough or something like, sure. in Houston, you know, like he's, he's going back there for a, a comfort reason, which again, it's fine. But I, I, I guess I'm, I'm going to be, uh, maybe I'm being too much of a fan brain here. Yeah. You could make the argument for Harden and Embiid that they're both running from the grind. Yeah. <laughs> like Harden going back to Houston and Embiid seeing the situation for what it is right now and not even considering asking for a trade or, or, or a change-up, both in, in different ways are like kind of like settling for what I view as inevitable, which is like a good regular season team. I've been joking. I'm like, hot, fire Doc, bring in Mike Budenholzer, trade Tobias to New York for Julius Randle. Let's win 60 games and lose in the first round next year. <laughs> 
I mean, well, here's here, just to like defend Joel real quick. I mean, I, I do think part of that is I do think Joel really does like care about the city and the fans, and like we're gonna strike on that last. I'm telling you, I'm I'm just being real. This yeah. is not Portland. People are mean here, dude. Like this is no. not like like people won't sit around and wait forever if you're not making it to the conference final. And even they made it to the conference finals one time. Like that's the I, thing. I get it. And you know, maybe that wears Joel down, yeah. but I I think Joel was like I think Joel trying to make it work is coming from a place of like I want to make this work. You know what I'm saying? Because he wants to do the Dirk thing, which is what Dame wants and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I find his version of it, way, like, I know Dame technically went further, but I find his version way more uh, possible and appealing than whatever the fuck Dame is trying to do out there. Like, that's yeah. a fucking pipe dream. Like, that has been a pipe dream. They got the absolute best case scenario and got swept in the conference finals. Like, And also, in fairness to, I, I still think that, despite not making it as far that the 1819 team and this year's team had a better shot at the championship. If they're some able to overcome those second round woes that they've had, um, as opposed to Portland who never really had a chance at winning a championship. We're, we're talking about two different times where it's going to, it's looking like they lo- they're going to lose in seven games to the eventual NBA champion. Like, yeah. You're by definition, you're close at that point. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, so like, frustrating to meet in the second is, round every it, time. <laughs> it's not, I'm just, I, I keep to, I really do think the Sixers are just kind of like unlucky, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that, like, like, I don't know, Sixers fans like to point to the like process shit as like where they were unlucky. I don't think that's true. I think that that is part of the drafting thing is you fuck up, you draft Julia Loca for sometimes, like that, yeah. you know, like that's built into the that's built into it like but you, knew, you the, the reason why you did the process was because you wanted to try to have as many shots at it as possible yeah like that there's you know and joel like there's some stuff that goes wrong like the colangelo thing that's a, that's a disaster but like really what we're talking about is a shot bouncing around the rim three times through nick nurse satanic magic and them. Hey, that's or, future Sixers head coach Nick Nurse. Yeah, Sixers head coach. <laughs> or, or um, or, or or the Celtics, or just running into your your absolute foil again in the second round. You know, like, and it happening yeah, in, in twenty years. I think if the Celtics win the finals this year, in twenty years we'll 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 always look back at this and be like, "Fuck, we missed our shots." But the Heat and the Hawks series is really what we're gonna regret yeah. because yeah. the Heat and the Hawks series. I do genuinely think the Sixers were the better teams in those series. I think that they were the underdogs in the Raptors and the Celtics series for good reason. I think that those teams are very good championship level worthy teams. They fucked up in their two chances that they had. And there's a ton of moving pieces on why it could all be that, but like a superstar performance here or there might have swayed the balance. And that's, that's what Sixers fans are frustrated with, with Joel. It's like, we're year six of this and like, you you really haven't had your signature playoff moment, and you're too good not to have it. Well, and and that's the I guess that's the thing that the thing that sucks about this one is I actually think this is the best the Sixers have ever done in the playoffs, but it's not it that way because it's you know like because this 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 is more I, I mean blasphemy, but like when you guys lost to the Raptors, that Raptors team still needed an insane amount of luck, like in injuries with the Warriors with what happened. <laughs> to win the title 
I think the Celtics team, this Celtics team could win the title and everyone would be like, yeah, well, you know, like nobody was the best team most of the season. Like a lot you had the best net rating. Yeah. Yeah. The best net rating. In the league, you know, a team that has, you know, been in the conference finals four out of the last five years or whatever the fuck it is. Like, you know, like it, it is what it is. Like, I, I think that the, the Sixers are improving Slowly, but it's just like you're just you run out of time at a certain point, you know. That's like, what you we've always talked about. This is like, yeah, you have your windows, and and Mori always talks about like the windows being smaller than you think it is for most teams, yeah. And how there's for, for all these teams that we've discussed, there's always been some sort of thing that they you, look, everything involves luck, some of it involves timing, where the Raptors waited all those years to make their move. Because LeBron was in the East, and it was like this fucking LeBron is in the East. What are we? We're never going to beat LeBron, so we might as well not. And then you get the Kawhi, you take the risk with the Kawhi trade. The yep. Bucks, the Bucks uh, circumstance was they needed to hit rock bottom against the Heat and go out and make the Drew Holiday trade, even though Drew's had his own struggles in the playoffs. To get made and and getting him and PJ Tucker made their team better, and then Giannis stuck up, rose up to the occasion despite the fact that they got insane health luck in that net series and they make the run to the finals. Like there, you have to have a combination of luck from an injury standpoint, from a timing standpoint, from all these things kind of meeting perfectly. And uh, once again, I do think that the Sixers kind of blew their chance. I think that this was probably the last chance they had at a real chance to win the NBA finals. Now, can they make it to a conference finals? Sure. Can they win multiple playoff rounds? Yes. Like that's, that's definitely something that they can do, but like, I, I kind of am just at a point where it's like either do either make crazy moves this summer with bringing in a new coach or uh, trying to get rid of Tobias Harris or or uh, fucking making something with the space that you lose with James Harden or whatever. Make a splash. Do something because you can't keep selling the same recycled shit over and over and over again and expect the fans to just take it. <laughs> like that's, that's the thing. And even though it was the best version, like the league's getting better, like everyone's getting better all the time. So like you need to stay up with that. You need to stay ahead of the curve in terms of what you can do to make your team the best. But all this, all this is like, I've been ranting and raving about this shit for almost an hour now. I, I want to talk a little bit just about, like, I guess the, the implications of, of everything that's been happening around the league, like the Sixers are kind of in the middle of it right now with uh, Doc Rivers, obviously. Monty yeah. Williams was fired over the weekend. Uh, it's, it's crazy. It, it, it Bud was just the, the coaches of the year. Four of the last five coaches of the year have now been fired in the NBA. The only one that is still left is somehow Thibs <laughs> in, in New York who like, might get fired. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he stays. What if Kerr leaves? Like, that's not like a sure thing. Yeah, I think everything's on the table there. Like, if Bob Myers, you know, wants to go podcast or whatever the fuck, like <laughs> podcast about success, success with yeah, grind set or whatever the fuck he his his show is about. Like, he's leaving for Vayner Media. Back. I don't know. I just think it's weird. Like. I think what this the situation the Warriors and the Bucks are in are just a lot more grim to me than like what the Sixers are in, for example. Like, 
or, 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 or some of these other teams. Like, I, I think it's kind of getting overblown because I know it's jarring when a guy like leaves for nothing, but it's not the damaging like be all end all if you've got you still got a like some sort of star. I mean, it happened three times to the Celtics in two years and they went to the conference finals again, you know. And I get that they had like young guys, but like, like when, when guys leave and they're old and like not that, you know, James Harden was still an all star and he like had a crack at like all NBA and all this other stuff. But like, you watch that series unfold and kind of like how some of this stuff went. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't think the Sixers are done. Um, I don't think the Bucks are bulletproof. I think we're really just talking about like the Celtics and, you know, I don't think the Cavs are there yet. I think the Heat are going to get their trachea stomped in by the Celtics here. And that's going to be the end of that team. I pray to God, like I'm, I'm going to, are you doubting the devil magic again? I want that. I want to bury the devil magic. I've never wanted a series worse more in my life. I yeah. tweeted this out today. I would rather lose to Jokic in a long series in the sure. finals than have this series go seven and win the finals. I want this team dead. I want, this, <laughs> I want that. I want shoot him in between the eyes. It's I want, so yeah, funny. I want, I want a four-game sweep. I want 20 points each time. I hate this team so goddamn much. I want to put them in the ground. I want. I hate the fucking Heat. Just from them. a pure competitive standpoint, though, I bet you – look, the league, once again, I think the league is fine with the final four teams. I'm sure they're going to be fine with whatever the finals matchup is. They probably want it to be Celtics-Lakers for eyeballs' sake. But it, it, I do think that there is at least a part of the league that's like, man – the Heat Sixers would have been a competitive series. Like the Sixers have like Harden could just come out and be terrible and Embiid could be terrible in any given game. And then every game is a dogfight, basically is what I'm trying to say. Whereas I know Celtics have doo-doo mode and we always talk about like, they shouldn't have let the Sixers hang. They always let six, they always let teams hang. The difference is the Sixers are a good team. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like the talent gap is way too big for you guys to not win this series in anything less than like six. Yeah, six is like the absolute worst. Like, if this goes to a game seven, I will, I will be a hazard. Like, <laughs> like everyone will like, I will be in the paper if this goes to seven. Like, like this is this is like I I I want I smell blood in the water. Like with this series, I want I want this series so bad. I really don't care what happens in the finals. Maybe I'll change my tune after that, but I, w- I want to sweep this team so bad. I've never wanted a series result more in my life. I want, but anyway, the, I got off topic. My my point here was that the East is actually going to go back to being somewhat open until like Luca won't be on the Knicks yet. Like there is a little bit of a like the Knicks are monitoring Joel Embiid and Giannis, so I they're getting Luca. I don't think that timing is right. I, think- I, I was going to say, I had people saying, well, if Joel asks out now, stack every fucking pick you can get and just wait until Luke was available. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just don't think, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that timing lines up. I think the Heat are probably more likely to make a trade for Joel if you were to ask out than the Knicks. Sure. I think, I think so. they, have, they have. And I more- think Joel would want to go there because he loves Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be God, that would be the worst. God, oh. can, you, can, can you imagine Joel getting in shape under that fascist training program? I mean, running? come on. 
We already know exactly how this is going to go. I needed yeah. to get to a better culture fit, a coach that understood me, uh, back with Jimmy. You know, uh, my body feels good in the weather down here. Uh, we got this great training program. I'm in great shape. I, Jimmy can run the offense sometimes. I can run the offense sometimes. They got me running dribble handoffs with their white shooters. Like, it would drive me. I would be going obs- insane, dude. I would be losing my mind. And every Sixers fan would be like, yay, go Joel. And I would be like, I can't believe they're getting away with this. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we need to end that franchise. Yes. God's, God's righteous warriors. Look, if you hate the Celtics, look, I hate them too a lot of the time. We can we can agree on this. They can lose in the finals. You guys can watch Jason Tatum be sad again. I need this one. I need the Miami Heat. I need that I franchise say, I think the ground. Sixers what? fans will definitely be rooting for the Heat because they're still mad we let Jimmy go. The Bulls yeah. and the Sixers have that in common in that they are still mad at the owners for letting Jimmy out the door. Yeah. So they're going to root for Jimmy's team. Having said that, it is, it is going to be interesting to see what happens here. Because if the Lakers make it, I don't think Sixers fans really care about the Lakers. The Lakers, we've never really had a rivalry with them in my lifetime. We lost to them once in the finals, but they were the best team. I, I think I think it's more just about, like, in general, the Lakers. Because, like, I just think about the teams that you guys would hate the most. I think, like, the Heat and the Celtics have been, like, your maybe, – maybe the Bucks would be in there, but, like – I don't then, really think – I think it's Heat and Celtics, I would imagine. But yeah. not not as much Heat for the Heat because they made our owners look stupid, which is what we like because we hate the owners so much. But back to that, if you're, if you're purely an Embiid guy and you're purely – by the way, that argument's kind of over now. I'm sorry, Sixers fans. I've been – I think it's kind of over right now. Jokic has been the best player in the playoffs. We'll see how he performs in the – Western Conference Finals. But long story short here, if you're purely an Embiid guy, you're purely a process guy, and you want Jokic, if he gets to the finals, to lose, the Celtics are your best chance. If you just want a competitive finals, you don't care who wins, um, and you want to root for Jimmy, you'll probably root for the Heat, whatever, da 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 the, the fact that it is the bubble Final Four again is making me lose my mind a little bit because it feels like it, 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 it's like when the Heat beat the Sixers, I'm sorry, the Hawks beat the Sixers, and someone was like, they made it to the conference finals, they rebuilt, and they made it back to the conference finals before the Sixers could. <laughs> and now it's the, the bubble final four again. These aren't even the same exact teams. They're different. Like, the Lakers have Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell. I was going to say, I think literally the entire Lakers roster is different besides Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I was going to say, uh, and I'm, I, it, I think you're right. And I was going to say, yeah. uh, someone was saying earlier, like, oh, we just need to dump Tobias and whatever. We talked about that for a little bit. We need to get him. I was like, there is no Lake, like, the Silver isn't making a call to Danny Ainge to be like, hey, send them three rotation players <laughs> for, for an expiring contract and a heavily protected first. Like, I'm uh, full, by the way, the Lakers straight up did just beat the Warriors. Like they kind of kicked their ass in that last game and it wasn't competitive. Like, and I watched the game and I can tell you how they put a ton of pressure on the rim. They made the, the Warriors either like the Warriors had no rim protection. They were, they were honestly defending their ass off that whole series. They had multiple guys who could create their own shot. Like this turnaround from the Lakers is probably the most confusing thing that I've seen in quite some time. 
I, I know that they got a lot more talent. They got an injection of talent at the deadline and whatever. But, like, to make a run to the conference finals, them and the Heat are just, like, consistently blowing my mind with this shit. Well, I mean, hey, I feel like you got to kind of credit Darvin Ham at least, like, a little bit for, like, the Lakers. Like, I mean, because I actually got a chance to see some of those games, too. And I, was, and I saw the same thing you did. There was, like, the rim pressure. I still don't understand how Steph Curry can uh, destroy my team and then just absolutely fucking no show a uh, Lakers series when Not he's... like Russ in in a few of those games, dude. I don't know. I'm over it. I I do think at least part of part of the Steph suffering part in these in that series was mm-hmm. the fact that he as amazing as Steph is, he's never the guy that like completely carries the load in a way that he kind of did in the finals last year and kind of beat any allegations he's ever had against him for that little stretch. Mm-hmm. But like you could tell that it started to wear down on him because like guys were just getting blown by on defense and couldn't make fucking open shots. And like by the end of the series, I think he was just like, this is fucking, this is over. <laughs> yeah. Well, where the fuck was that last year? Where was that quitting you last year, Steph Curry? Um, Thank you, Steph. One last time. Well, yeah. God, the Lakers, they, they, I know Rich of me as a Celtics fan to complain about this, but they really do have the golden horseshoe up their fucking asshole. Like, they are the fuck. You guys absolutely do too. But the, yeah. The, 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 the thing about the Lakers that's so confusing to me and the thing about the Heat that's so confusing to me is like, we when I when I I'm not exaggerating. We have never seen a turnaround like this in season into the playoffs ever. Yeah. This has never happened. A seven and an eight seed in the conference finals. And by the way, it's happening twice at the same time. On, on, That's what I'm saying. It's like the last time that an eight seed got this far was the Knicks in 1999 when Patrick Ewing was injured. Like, and that and by the way, that first round series it was when it was still best of five. And they only had to win three games in the first round instead of four, which makes it more likely to have upsets. So, like, this and, – and the fact that the Heat have only lost three games to this point, the Lakers have what lost, what, four games? Like, it's not like they're, like, competitive seven-game series that they're scraping through. Like, they're kind of just taking care of business. And, like, I will say I don't think Jimmy looked quite right post-ankle injury. Maybe this time off will help him get ready. Like, what <laughs> – what do you anticipate for game one is what I guess I should ask here. So there's one of two things. Only two things are possible. Celtics, um, like basically what we just saw in game seven, 30 point, like just absolute trachea stomping sure. um, March or a Jimmy, Put- Jimmy Butler, 50 point masterpiece. Um, Game four, basically, with, like, some sort of bozo bonehead play by the Celtics down the stretch and Jimmy hitting some sort of insane prayer three to, like, steal game one or something like that. Like, yeah. They did I'm, win game one in Boston last year. This would, That would be the third straight that you guys have blown game one the outside of the first round. I just – I don't think it's possible. Four I just, straight. I'm sorry. I just don't think it's possible because the other thing people forget about the bubble series, Jimmy Butler was like bad 
that series. That was like a Bam series. The I was gonna say that was he. He was like distributor that series. It was yeah. Hero and Bam and Drogic that he was like he was playing more like playmaker defender role than he was like actual like he carried in the finals and in the Buck series more. Yeah, exactly. Like, and he like, you know, so that was like different from like what we saw from Jimmy like last year, for example, like where that was more of the traditional playoff Jimmy Butler we've come to know. I think it's going to have, he's going to have to try and do something more like that. And I don't even think they have the talent. Like they just hero being out. Like they have to play a seven man rotation. Like the Celtics. The other thing is the Celtics like didn't really have Rob Williams at any point in any of these other series. Like he was hurt last year. Uh, He was hurt in the bubble. I think he is like demonic. Like I I don't think Jimmy's going to be ready for that. Like I, I, like, cause he finally looks good again. Um, they have all these extra guys. I don't know. I would be, I know it's a history and I know everyone wants to do this. I would be absolutely floored if this even went seven. I, I really think a sweep is on the table. I, I, I want it so bad. So, all right, let's think about the lineup for a second because yeah. who are the fucking heat even starting right now? It's like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Kevin Love. So Caleb Martin, I think, starts for them. I think he comes off the bench. Does he go off the bench? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Wow. I, think well, he, I think he's been like their sixth man. But okay. uh, him and Lowry are the first two off the bench, if I remember correctly. Yeah. In the Sixer series, you could put Rob on PJ at the end, which you guys did and really worked in game six. In game seven, not as much, but PJ just hit a few quarter threes. Still mucked up the offense a little bit, at least. Um, who do you, who? What are the matchups in 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 this kind of series? I guess Rob on Bam. So you put Rob on Bam. You have you have him Rome, and then you have Horford on Kevin Love on the perimeter. Then, yeah, I mean you you could you could just go small this year. Yeah. You don't even need to like do the double big. Grant Williams could play in this series. Like there just is not. The fact that they made Rob effective in a Joel Embiid series means – I think that means something because, like, you just can't have him on there. And I just – I don't know. I, Bam, I think, is more fraudulent than he was, like, three years ago. Like, I think that was, like, Bam's kind of high point. I was gonna say, Bam, was, Bam was good in the Knicks series. But, yeah, I mean, it's the Knicks. Like, it's, it's a different yeah. team. I, I, I just – I don't know. I just don't think Jimmy – I mean, maybe – Kyle Lowry. I mean, the Heat might go to their default option, which is just to like injure someone. Like maybe they'll just like hit Jalen Brown in the face uh, like, now that he doesn't have the mask on, and like, and he took that shot in Game Seven. Like, that's I, they're gonna do something like that will happen. Like, um, but I, I don't know. I just I, again, I would be shocked if the cell. I would be. It would be the most jokerifying loss of my. I still can't believe they lost the bubble series. Like I'm still mad about that. Like, are you worried about the the Spo versus Joe matchup? Because I I have been saying the last two days. One, I don't think that the talent. I think the talent gap is too large for the coaching matchup to really matter. Yeah. But two, I was like, yeah, Joe Mazzulla looks like a great coach today because Jason Tatum scored like. 70 points in the last six quarters of the fucking series and like if Joel Embiid came out and scored 50 I'm sure Doc would look like a fucking genius today too like yeah yeah. that's how it happens in the playoffs sometimes sometimes guys get like as great of a coach as Spo is Jimmy Butler scores has one of the greatest playoff games we've ever seen against the Bucks and that makes Spo look even smarter like 
you're going to have some of those performances where the the other the and like like I said, Jimmy not really being like first round Jimmy. If he if he is able to be healthy in this series, I think that they I think the Heat have a shot to steal probably two games. Um, and I think that you know maybe there is some PTSD flare up, and I do think that the Sixers were a better team than the Heat this year. I think that the Heat obviously have the coaching advantage. In the playoffs, they might have the best player advantage uh, on any given night, even though Jimmy – another thing that is forgotten about Jimmy versus the Celtics in the playoffs is that he also has terrible games sometimes. <laughs> where, like, last year he had, like, an eight-point game in that series, I believe. And he had, like, another one where he had, like, 14 or whatever. But then he'll score 44 and it will all be forgotten. So, like, the consistency in the health of Jimmy is obviously the most important part of this. Um, I don't think that Jimmy's afraid of of anyone or anything uh, in the playoffs. I think that that is certainly going to be – I mean, game one to me proves – if the Heat come out and win game one, I'm going to be I'm, – I'm in for this might be a competitive series. If you guys come out and just mollywop them and it's just – that's it, like that's, that's kind of how I pictured the series to go. I also thought this, they would handle the Sixers and Six, though, so. I uh... – yeah, I mean, well, yeah. I, I, again, though, the Sixers are, are were a good team. You know, like, I keep coming back to that, and I feel like I was I, – I, I think people were sleeping on how good of a team the Sixers were. Like, those those games turned into – I was! <laughs> well, well, those games turned into defensive struggles down the stretch. Like, everyone was, like, saying about how, like, neither team could hit a shot. I think that's, like, by design. I think both defenses were playing really fucking well. Like, and – you know, kind of just leaving guys. I mean, it turned into a series where guys were shooting open threes because, like, that's, like, what you had to do. You just had to pick who was taking those threes for you, you know? Like, so I just don't think the Heat have the talent for that. Like, they've never had the talent, but, like, they don't, they're not even going to have Tyler Hero. Like, Duncan Robinson is going to have to guard. Every time, anytime he's on the floor, he's going to have to guard either one of – Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Malcolm Brogdon, or Marcus Smart. And that's not going to go well. Like, not a lot of teams have that. Like, it's one thing if that's, uh, you know, I don't know, Deuce McBride or fucking, uh, you know. Um, R.J. Uh, Barrett. <laughs> Isaac Oro. Sure, or, yeah, yeah. No, they didn't even play him. I don't know. Uh, Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, you know. Sure. These guys are like. I don't know. These guys are totally different. I think this is a completely different series. And, you know, I mean, unless Joe Mazzullo, which, by the way, this is totally possible, says um, the only person allowed to bring it up the floor is Jalen Brown, that, that then this <laughs> that's the only way that he'd have a chance in this series. Is if- yeah, Jalen's handle was looking a little uh, – I mean, Niang – in the second quarter, yes, by the way, why I thought the Sixers were going to win this game was I was like – Niang had a play where he, he got into Jalen's handle. Jalen drip, drip, dribbled it off his foot. Um, they had like so many little hustle plays and little marginal plays that I felt like they didn't have early in the season. Same reason why I thought they were going to win game six. Uh, the the thing is, I mean, really, what, what in the same way that Jimmy matters, like what version of Jason Tatum do we get? Because there were probably, what, f- three games in this series where Jason Tatum was, let's say two and a half games, two and a half games, Jason Tatum was the best player on the court. If you combine the whole series. And then there were games where you were like, what the fuck is happening? Like, 
I, I, I literally had said before uh, game seven, there was the clips of the bubble going around where Tatum was like so fluid and like looked just like much more mobile. And like, and then we saw some of that in game seven, but like the, the, the variance from game to game with Jason Tatum has been very confusing to me too, because uh, I know that you've said he's been like that all year and he's kind of had these like slumps or whatever, but like, this is a series where he needs to be very obviously the best player from the jump, the whole series in order for it to matter. And honestly, I think that the talent is, is good enough around him to make it not really matter. Like it did at times during the Sixer series. But, uh, but it will be interesting because the only way you guys have a shot to win the finals, I think is if Tatum has like a take takeover performances like he did yesterday in game seven. Yeah. I also think that's like more possible because like, Jason Tatum will be able to get to the rim against these 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 two teams. I mean, I know Bam. Is That's true. Cool. I mean, they the, there was like a three or four game stretch where Joel was just shutting off the rim, and it was. That's what I'm saying. Like, I there's, you're you're not going to see anyone like Joel. I mean, maybe Anthony Davis. I would be shocked. That would be the difference. Yeah, yeah. Got through the Nuggets, but like. Like if you if it's Jokic, you know what I'm saying. Like that's going to be more of a that that series would be very interesting just in terms of a coaching chess match. That's one where Joe Mazzulla might get get pantsed because like the Nuggets kind of do have talent, and both of these teams are so deep with so many different styles to throw out there sure. that it will that probably will devolve into like some sort of um, chess match where like you know. Do you have Aaron Gordon on uh, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown? Like, can you get away with like, do you put KCP on Malcolm Brogdon or do you uh, like try it with Marcus Smart and see what happens? You know, like stuff like that will come into it more. Like, can Rob play off of Michael Porter Jr.? You know, shit like that is gonna like come into things. So, but I I just think that with this series, I guess just to reiterate what we've been saying, I just think the talent gap is like probably the most severe talent gap we've had in the conference finals ever like period like in the bubble series daniel well, probably Tice since was... that lebron probably since what you guys played the lebron Cavs in 2016 or 2017 whenever that was but even that went to seven and the celtics like won game one by like 20 points no no, no not the hospital celtic series Oh, oh! What do you the mean? LeBron oh, Cavs. Oh, oh, the the LeBron Cavs before yeah. you guys had Tatum and Brown as like you're the main guy. Like it was like Isaiah Thomas, but he was injured. Um, after the Kelly Olynyk, after Kelly Olynyk dispatched the Warriors in Game Seven or the um, Wizards in Game Seven. Yes, that was 2017 Conference Finals, I think. And that yeah. Cavs team was really fucking good. It had it was yeah. like that was better than the 2016 team, if I remember correctly. That was probably the last time that we've had a talent gap like this in the conference finals. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that like the team was Jimmy Butler. <laughs> I know. I everyone wants to say, I mean, look, maybe I'll maybe we can clip this like when game seven is happening and I am I am I'm in the newspaper and it's like local podcast host. Uh, police negotiator takes in local podcast host peacefully. Um, but like I I, I I just, I would be, even for the Celtics, and I'm pretty pessimistic about the Celtics. I was pessimistic about them all. Even with rap mode, even with, if the Celtics play identically to how, how bad they played last year in the conference finals, it will still be over in five. That is how different these teams are. Like, famous last words. 
Now, I, I, I feel very Bucks confident. fan three weeks ago. <laughs> Jason Tatum has, been, has had his neck sliced. Yeah. They can't keep shooting like this forever. <laughs> 55% from three for the whole yeah. series. I mean, I guess if they do shoot 58% from three like they did against the Bucks, we, we might be in trouble. We sure. Percent. Like, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, uh, all right. So that's just insane. Um, all right, what was I gonna say? Uh okay, so Nuggets, Lakers. I don't know, dude. Like, I kind of think that this is this comes down to like does Jokic like do the Lakers have an answer for Jokic? Because first off, I don't really think anyone's gonna have an answer for Jokic in these uh in the in these last two series i think that it, it it is a very unique matchup for a lot of teams i know everyone keeps saying oh well we'll just put anthony davis on him and sh-. that's not how it works like jokic they're going to run actions for jokic away from the rim to get anthony davis away from the rim they'll have they'll use jokic like he's a guard where they're running screens and he can get the ball in his spots He'll bring the ball up sometimes to get Anthony Davis away from the rim. He'll pu- he'll post up at the top of the key to get Anthony Davis away from the rim and then have back cut so that anyone can get to the rim anytime they fucking want. I do think that you have to kind of put – that's the, the rock in the hard place here for the Lakers in this matchup because you have to put Anthony Davis on Jokic because there's no one else that he's even close to Jokic's size that we, as we saw in the Sun Series – this was the most frustrating thing with me with Embiid yesterday was early in the game, he was getting great post position and he was like under the basket and he would seal his guy and he would get the ball and he would hesitate and then a double team would get there and he would end up kicking it out to a shooter. Jokic throughout these playoffs has been very quick with his decisions. If he gets the ball in in there, he's going right up for the shot. He's, he's either going to get the foul or he's going to get the bucket. And that is something that the Lakers are going to have to try to figure out throughout the course of the series. Everyone's answer to this ever has been you put uh we put PJ Tucker on Jokic and then we we let Joel roam off of Aaron Gordon and we put him near the rim. The Lakers will certainly try that with like Jared Vanderbilt at the beginning of this series. They'll probably put AD because he has the size on the perimeter on Jokic and then they will put Jared Vanderbilt near the rim and they will hope that he can protect the rim from back cuts from everything that the, the, the nuggets will run to try to get more looks at the rim. But at the same time, we just saw in the last series, Jared Vanderbilt on offense is going to cause problems for your spacing in the same way that as good as PJ Tucker was yesterday, caused problems for the Sixers spacing at times in this series, because they're willing to live with that corner three and they're willing to live with whatever, outcome comes out of that they had last second they changed it to a mostly guard and spacing focused lineup in that series and they ran the Warriors off the court the one one advantage I do think the Lakers can create here from an offensive standpoint is exactly what we talked about in the Warriors series which is I don't really think they're going to have enough like perimeter operators in Austin Reeves and and D'Angelo Russell to like pull Jokic out of the paint and try to do what the Warriors have always done to him which is just like shoot a ton of threes and make it so that he has to defend in space and shit. But the rim pressure thing will be the one thing that they could have an advantage of in this series. Now the nuggets 
perimeter defenders are way better than they've ever been uh, with Jokic. And, and we saw some differences and it's part of the reason why I immediately changed my mind about the Suns and was like, the Suns actually, it's not a great matchup for the Suns because the Suns are just going to take a ton of mid-range jumpers. They're not going to get to the rim. They're not going to get to the line. And that's what the Lakers do well. The Lakers have a ton of guys who get downhill, a ton of guys who can draw fouls, and a ton of guys that will honestly just try to frustrate Jokic as much as possible because it's basically like, it's even if you're, it's not the most effective offense, you, you're going to want to try to tire out Jokic throughout the course of the game and make him involved in a ton of the actions, make him try to oppose shots at the rim, make him try to get into foul trouble because that's really your only shot of ever slowing down the Nuggets, to be honest. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think similar to, you know, similar to what we were just talking about on the other side of the bracket. I just think this was, this team was a low seed for a reason. I know they're like, everyone, they have the number one defense in the NBA since the trade deadline though. Like they have a really good defense. I mean, they do, but like, I, I they're just they, in denial. They, they have seven players and like two of them are Rui Hachimura and Lonnie Walker. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I just, I can't believe that that can continue. Like, if they get away with that, that is demonic. That is demonic blood magic again. We've got to put Darvin Ham in the in the uh, Spo category because, like, that. I don't know. I, I, I said I famously said the Lakers were drawing dead against the Warriors. I, I'm extremely owned. Um, I believed in Steph too much. Uh, so that's um, congratulations to LeBron James, the greatest player of his generation. That's over. Bye bye, Warriors fans. Bye bye. That's all done. Should have won that series if you were a serious team, but unfortunately, no. Um, I, I, I just, I'm so, I can't believe the Warriors no showed that fucking series. Um, anyway, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I am just in denial that the Lakers are good. I just, I still, everything, it goes against everything I've ever seen about the NBA. Like, and unless Adam Silver would have to have a historic performance here. Like, okay, so, I mean, I guarantee you Adam Silver wants to see the Lakers in the finals. He would be, oh my God, if he got the Lakers Celtics finals for the most titles ever, LeBron versus, eh, Tatum isn't really a marketable star yet, but he might get there. Like an American two, three, four American stars potentially. Like I guarantee you Adam Silver is pulling for that. Having said all that, I do think the Nuggets are just the better team. I don't think they're going to – my biggest thing about this is I just don't think the Nuggets are going to lose at home. And like in the Western Conference Finals, they're going to have that advantage again. They're probably going to win this series in six. Like I think it probably goes first two games – are go towards the Nuggets because they're playing them at home and Nuggets game one when you're not used to that altitude that's like playing the 96 Bulls dude like they're they're gonna run teams up and down the court they're gonna try to you know like make teams tired and they're gonna they are gonna be crazy I guarantee you they come out crazy on Tuesday night and they're just scoring up and down the court making the Lakers really work I think they they're going to win the first two games. I think the Lakers could easily win the next two games, very similar to how we just saw the Suns. And then the Nuggets get it right at home in game five, and then they win game six in LA. The The thing that I I, I think about going, like the one part where the late, the late, like we talk about how uh, the Lakers don't have that many good players. 
like outside of the Nuggets top six, I really don't think they have really that many good players. It's just like on any given night, Christian Braun and uh, or Christian Brown and Jeff Green can be playable. Um, but they could always go to seven guys. I think that's probably what's going to happen in these series. A lot of the times they go to seven, maybe eight guys with some spot minutes. Uh, but I like I I think I I mean I think the 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 Nuggets have the best player in the series with the way that Jokic is playing right now. I think that the uh, the role players I trust a little bit more. A big, big, big Jamal Murray series for sure. Because the Lakers and the Nuggets have very different, like, weirdly, I, I know that Jokic isn't like an on-ball, he's not like an on-ball heliocentric guy. And he does spread the ball around a ton. But like, weirdly enough, the the Lakers tend to run offense with more guys. Like, they let, Dennis Schroeder run offense sometimes. They let D'Angelo Russell run offense. Austin Reeves, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Everything is going to be going through that two-man game with the Nuggets, with Jokic and Murray. And this is, once again, Murray, who's another guy who's been very up and down. When he's on, he looks amazing. When he's down, it can get pretty brutal, especially when he's shooting really poorly in these games. He's going to be, he's the big swing piece for me in this series in terms of, it's him and can you survive with Jared Vanderbilt on the court offensively for the Lakers? Those are the two big swing pieces for me. I know that Anthony Davis and Jokic are going to show up for these series offensively, at least, I think. Um, and I, I I think that, I don't know, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. I'm very excited to see Jokic versus AD. Um, I, I kind of think that that matchup isn't going to go the way that people think it is. But uh, but we'll see. Um, and then... Also- well, also, you know, you got to think about the uh, altitude and how that's going to, the effect that's going to have on a guy who just had a concussion. Sorry, never mind. <laughs> Oops. He didn't ha- he, he's fine. He didn't have a concussion. He was fine. He was chilling. He was chilling. It, it'll be fine. By the way, on the Patreon episode last week when we talked about this, I mistakenly didn't recognize that Joel and B did have a concussion when he yeah. got hit in the face. He, he was diagnosed with a concussion and cleared from the protocols, which, once again, why are they having him do TV interviews in a bright stadium <laughs> with TV lights on him after the game? Like, the, the, the protocol for the NBA needs to get better, and I genuinely think maybe Anthony D- Davis dodged a bullet and those were just precautions, but, like, I, I think that there's something a little bit deeper here, and I think that they need to be real real careful about players taking shots to the face and then having them you know fly on planes and like do things that you're just not supposed to do when you have a concussion and like joel couldn't look at screens and like yeah the nba needs to be better better about that shit than than they have been for sure um all right we we started to talk about it then we got completely off track with the coach shit but monty williams was fired all these coach of the year candidates keep getting fired I kind of am at the point where I'm like, so part of this is new ownership with the Suns. The Bucks also brought in a new owner, but I don't really think that had anything to do with it. He's a minority owner, Jim Haslam. Part of it is the, uh, is that part of it is just like Nick nurse. You reach the end of your road, whatever. But like a lot of these times, I feel like most of these coaches and doc could be the next one are just getting thrown under the bus due to either one of two things. Poor roster construction with, like, shitty lack of depth, whether that's either from the general manager or the owner 
or and then in addition to that the fact that the stars on those teams just haven't performed really in big situations and the coaches are taking the fall in these situations a lot of the time now every situation is unique every situation but I just feel like and there are some I think you can make the argument for like Monty Williams got crushed in two straight elimination games I I get it like I understand why they fired him but I just feel like we've gone a little bit too far with like Ah, yeah, just fire the coach. Whatever. (laughs) Just get rid of the coach. Everything's going to be fine. And I'm like, it's we have league-wide parity right now. Front offices are not being held accountable for this shit. Star players are not being held accountable. And it's just easy to replace the coach. So just get rid of the coach and bring in a new coach. Yeah. I mean, I do think, unfortunately, there is, like, I don't know. There's, There's a little bit of both because I also do think that, like, guys do kind of get sick of their coaches too. Like if you like lose the respect of the locker room, it's just yeah. kind of the the thing of the NBA. If you don't have a coach who's like an icon icon who has like that gravitas and like their own, I hate to use this word, but their own like built-in brand of being like a institutional coach, like you are just kind of replaceable at that point. Like, did anyone like? I'm not shocked that Frank Vogel, that the Lakers are back in the conference finals after firing Frank Vogel. Like he got a raw deal, but like at the same time, what Joe Mazzulla is doing is proves that like coaching is like a mostly replacement level. Like it only matters in like very close series, you know. Yeah. Um, or if you have Eric Spolster, those are like the two. Those are the two times, like the two instances. Is like. Coaching only really matters if you've got like a um, – it really matters when you're starting out and you have like a, a a bad team and you want to make your bad team into a competitive team. Like I think that's where – that's how Brad Stevens got started. Um, I think we've seen um, uh, Mike Brown did a very good job with, with, with his team this year. Um, I think we've seen uh, to a lesser extent um, Will Hardy out in Utah. Like we've seen – these teams kind of do that stuff. Um, you know, Bud has his whole shtick um, with how to, like, win games in the regular season. Um, but I think just, like, for the most part, like, it sucks for coaches. Like, and I think it's it's bad that these guys just kind of get, like, turned out. But, like, it's also, like, well, are, are these guys, like, necessarily that much better than, like, you know, the 30 other coaches who are waiting for a chance you it's know like bow and everyone else basically yeah like i i just don't think I, I just don't think like nobody stays in a job like who has the next most prestige after eric spolster left in the league like pop i like uh, not On pop notwithstanding because he's like circling the drain but it's, sure. it's like ty Lue or doc rivers i think or like the well, next Kerr. two guys Kerr, Kerr, and oh, then Kerr. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah but like you I mean, like, yeah, and now the Suns are talking about targeting Ty Lue, who, by the way, Clippers fans were calling for his head all year. And Sixers fans, including me, at the beginning of the season, were like, fire Doc Rivers. Like, clearly doesn't have the locker room. Like, it is the first – all I'm saying here is I feel like it's like it has become – and I am guilty of it. Everyone is guilty of it at a certain point, especially with their – when their team is underperforming in big moments – of just being completely reactionary and just being like, yeah, get rid of the coach. Like, 
I, I do think I, I didn't like eBay for like the first half of last year. Yeah. Like, yeah, you guys were 500 and yeah. And he was a, he was a great basketball coach, not good at other things, sure. <laughs> but yeah. 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 And I, I don't know. I, I do kind of think that like one of, one of the competitive advantage, I, I think Will said this, someone said it to me, like, the, the market inefficiency with coaching is literally just don't hire an idiot. And that's what the heat did. With Spo. Yeah, <laughs> we right. like, oh, we just didn't hire an idiot. So, yeah. Well, it's like Spo was like the, the, the tape grinding fucking nerd. Yeah. For Pat Riley. Sure. Who just got hired. And like, by the way, people were like saying Spo was the one like holding those heat teams back. And like in the early days. Yeah. And that because he was like the young, fresh faced coach, and it's like that just like was you know not true, like because it's just because he was an unknown, you know. And sure. I've always said, like, it's not a good idea to hire these you know retread coaches that are coming back through, yeah. like, you know, um, all of these guys that got fired were by the way, like, they yeah. won champion, like, like Bud won a championship, but he was a red retread, Monty yeah. won it, got to the finals, he was a retread, like, yeah, th- these. Like Nick Nurse was not, but like like most of these guys in this cycle have been retread coaches, and they like as a as as that type of coach ever gone anywhere and like won anything? I guess Bud, but like outside of that, has any other coach ever uh, won? Anything? I've heard Sixers fans say we should get Bud, and I'm like, Bud's the same. Like Bud, Bud has a little bit more like X's and O's dorky stuff, but everything that drives you insane, like Monty and Bud. Both of the things that with Bud, it's the lack of adjustments and in-game awareness, and that's what people like. People hate about Doc. Bud does the same shit with Monty. It's the rotations and the all bench lineups. He does the same shit as Doc does. So like all these, all these coaches to a certain extent are pretty similar. So I understand why they are siphoned in and out of the jobs. But it, it does feel like it's just the first, the first thing to do is just like get rid of this coach immediately instead of like ever try like i heard people saying like well maybe the Suns could keep deandre ayton now because uh he hated monty williams they didn't get along and then i'm like i don't think that monty williams is the reason why deandre ayton sucked like i think deandre ayton is just not just doesn't really give a shit it seems like no deandre ayton is locked in on uh hitting diamond three this this season so (laughs) getting the getting the the gold skin for his uh assault rifle uh, in Call of Duty, like uh, he, he, we, he's probably enjoying the hell out of this week. Yeah, he's he's getting double XP weekend. Let's, let's, right. let's go. Let's go. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the the whole thing on this, the the coaching thing, like I get it, but it it, it does feel like it's gotten a little bit out of hand. And back to the, <laughs> like, I I don't know how you could have watched, and I I I under of all these firings, weirdly enough. I think that the one I understand the most is the best coach, and that's Bud. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that one like, makes the most sense to me. Yeah, yeah, and like, look, I I know he, his brother passed away; it was terrible. But like watching that Buck series, his lack of just like preparedness, awareness of like why aren't they calling timeouts? Why are they challenging this? Why are they doing that? Like even before everything happened, like it was it was startling how little it felt like he really had an impact during those games um and now like look like i said sixers coach next year we're going to trade tobias for julius randall 
We're going to get Coach Bud in here. Joel's going to be Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> and then we're going to fucking lose in the first round to the Orlando Magic next year. Follow Big Caro and uh, one of the Thompson twins. And let's go. Um, but Chris Paul leading the way. That's right. Oh, that, that was the other thing people said for a Harden sign-in trade because there was a – speaking of the Suns, there was a rumor that the other team that Harden – which, by the way, I've been saying, if you're James Harden and you want to still go, you want to live somewhere that's, like, pretty cool and, like, be close to L.A. and Vegas and, like, you're you're going to make – you're, you're going to uh, have a chance at contending still, go play for the Suns, dude. You would be – like, they could use his playmaking. They could use his three-point volume. And he's already played with Kevin Durant. He knows what it's like to play with Kevin Durant. Like, I kind of think that that makes more sense than Houston, but he clearly doesn't really care about that. But that was the one thing. And they were like, would the Sixers do a Chris Paul for James Harden sign and trade? And I was like, oof, I'd consider it. I mean, I think I would, because it's just like, what are your other options? If we, if we can't get off the Tobias contract, we don't have a road to getting cap space. So you might as well just take on Chris Paul in his last year. And if he sucks, trade him at the deadline as an expiring. Also, Chris Paul is like a famous asshole. And like him being slighted, he will be able to harness his resentment again into like, not not like an all-star season or anything like that, but just like a return to like relevance. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just like he'll find a new role to be effective just to piss people off. Like, yeah, he would honestly, I think he could like really activate him beat like if, like he just got the keys to the car. Like, yeah, I mean, he, he, he would, just want him to be a, a he would be a worse version. But like, yeah, you you I I did say I think it would be good for Maxi's development, and I think that he would help Embiid. But yeah. you would still have the ceiling of a first round, second round team. Like you're just, you're not going anywhere with a 39 year old Chris Paul. Like it's just not like 38, 39. Like he's yeah. him and PJ. Yeah. You'd have two guys almost 40 starting in your. Don't 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 tell them what they can't do. Gen X, Gen X are our greatest. Uh, they're our greatest generation. They would throw on Pearl Jam and take the Sixers to the promised land. I, I think he's millennial. Is he? I mean, thirty eight. Like I don't. I'm thirty three and I'm millennial. So no, those guys are way older than me. <laughs> they're only they're five years older than they're us. They're five years older than me. Oh, I was gonna say that not not really that much at all, but um. Yeah, Jesus Christ, dude. Uh, We're doing an H-gap discourse on ourselves and NBA stars. Let's go. Can a 33-year-old root for a 38-year-old? Also, uh, apparently Chris Paul, three years ago, when Chris Paul, when Maury left Houston, Maury, so the original trade, Windhorse reported this later, the original trade that was supposed to happen was Horford and the first-round pick for Chris Paul. And then it turned into Danny Green because they got Danny Green in another trade, the Oklahoma City Thunder. So right. the Sixers were going to send Horford in the first round pick for Chris Paul. And last second, the uh, not last second, I shouldn't say that. They went to Chris Paul and they said, where do you want us to trade you? And he said, I don't want to go to Philly because he apparently doesn't like Doc or Maury. Because oh, like he gets along with Doc now. Like they golf together and shit, of course, classic Doc. But, uh, but like he didn't want to relive those days basically. And so he chose to go to Phoenix to be closer to his family and he wanted to play with Booker and blah, blah, blah. And he like, he had a relationship with Monty because Monty used to coach him. So 
it was uh, it was funny. I was like, we could relive that three years later when Chris Paul is basically fully washed, and uh, you know, relive relive those glory days that would have, by the way, been a grand slam trade for us at the time. Like to get that version of Chris Paul, play him with Embiid. Oh my God, I he know, might have I mean, saved Ben Simmons. That's what I, I literally had the same thought. Like yeah. you take the ball out of Ben Simmons' hands and you turn him in more of like an off-ball threat type guy, like. That those teams really like we almost traded for Kyle Lowry that year too because we just needed a point guard. He either would have saved Ben Simmons or broken him earlier, so you could have gotten off of him. <laughs> could have gotten the information sooner. Like <laughs> those are the two options. Chris, yeah. Chris, Chris, Chris just made Ben cry again. <laughs> yeah, Ben had to uh, leave the thing. Uh, we're trading him for Tyrese Halliburton. So, uh... oh, unfortunate. So unfortunate. Man, that, that was the other thing is that in retrospect, man, I really would have preferred. I, look, Harden won us two games in this series. Uh, he won us a game in the Heat series last year. He did some good things for us. But, man, I would have really preferred to take Tyrese Halliburton. Now I would be, like, sitting here like, we'll be fine. Don't worry, man. We got high, Tyrese and Tyrese and Embiid. Oh, man, that would have been such – and the Kings would have been in such shit. Oh, man, that would have been the funniest possible. Like, those those are usually the kind of things that happen. Uh, but yeah. last thing before we get out of here, I don't know if you heard about this, but John Moran is in the news again. You guys heard about this? You hear this? John Moran. John Moran. John Moran. He's, he's in the news again. Bill Maher. Bill Maher intro. I mean, I don't know. I took some shit on Twitter for like asking like how the league um, is going to justify the suspension. And everyone was like, oh, there, you know, there's morality clauses, contract Like, look, I get all that shit. But, like, I'm just telling you the optics of, like, what players are seeing. Um, I think the Gilbert Arenas rule is that you have to have your firearm registered. So yes. it seems like job probably did not have that firearm registered and that's how they're going to get him. But it is something, this is very different from the one in the, um, the, the, the during the season, because sure. that was in a club uh, on the road. The gun was, you know, either someone in your you, the league had to investigate whether it was ever on a team plane or anything like that. You know, there's all this other stuff that so this is something happening in the off season in your friend's car, you are allowed to do that. Like what the league is really going after him for is for you have this whole song and dance and rehabilitate that you have the Jalen Rose thing. You have the interview. Like uh, I did 96 hours of rehab. I'm totally cured, completely cured. Um, Three days didn't work. Yeah. I'm completely cured. Um, And then you just, you, you do this again, showing that, you know, you're not taking it seriously. And like, let's be clear. That's what the league is really going after. That's what the contract did detrimental to the team. I, they probably, they're going to get him on the claws or whatever. It's really about making the team and everybody like look stupid. It's This is about the optics of this situation sure. because if they actually cared about it, it this, they would have the, the teenager getting punched and the, them running up on the, the, the store clerk in the mall would have been, the these incidents where he was getting suspended not the you know being with your friend in the car with a gun yeah like that i'm sorry that is like 
the, the difference here is the timing and where that happened and the optics of what it was. Also, like. this one was just kind of funny. They were just sitting in a driveway. Like they yeah. weren't even driving the car. They were literally just like sitting in a driveway playing music and he just like slightly, I get, look, I get why the league feels like they need to protect themselves and the Grizzlies and blah, 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 blah. I feel like I, I first off, I feel like this is going to end really poorly for Ja. Yeah, like it, just, it just feels I mean, like the fact that he, has, he keeps doing it. Incredibly fucking stupid. Like, yeah, incredibly fucking stupid on his part. Like, yeah, you've got to know you're on thin ice, bro. Like, yeah, please. Like, he keeps making stupid decisions. Yeah, but at the same time, like, no matter how you feel about all that shit, like. I've literally been called Second Amendment Trill in the Discord by people for yep. defending him in the past for being like, look, dude, like, if it's his gun and he has a gun, like, he's allowed to have a gun. Like, that's just kind of how it is. Like, that's how it is. I'm sorry. Like, that's the like, rules in America. I don't, it's not if I agree with the Second Amendment or not. Right. It's that, that is what the reality is in America. And, the like, <laughs> Wolf put it perfectly. He said, the yeah. reason why this is a big deal is because they chose Ja as the TikTok superstar that they wanted to advertise to kids with short attention spans yeah, yeah. to get into the NBA. He said, if Thad Young was on Instagram Live flashing his guns, yeah, no one would right. give a fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It, it is the fact that he is this marketable star that's like a big money maker for the NBA. And the fact that he's one of the young up and rising stars and blah, 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 that they really do care that much about it. And I do feel, I feel like it's, it's his career's headed in the wrong direction because he can't seem to just like not <laughs> stop doing it for sure. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I just, I it's hard guess for me I, to act like this is like the biggest deal I, in the world. I, I just can't take this serious. This, this particular one as seriously. Yes. When it's like, I know you were involved in a police investigation to cover two other incidents. Sure. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like where someone was actually menaced or hurt. Yes. This, no one was menaced or hurt in this situation, like at all. Like you, you know, like so that that's the that's the the big difference to me. Like this is this particular fight is about optics and about timing. You know, like uh, again, if I, I honestly don't think the league would care if this were a lot of stars if they had not just had a giant like two month long investigation where he was in the news cycle while the Grizzlies were bad and he was away from the team. And he has to, you know, talk to Jalen Rose and be like, oh, like, I've, I've made a mistake, you know. Like, that's what this is really about, is about, like, showing that, you know, he didn't mean it. <laughs> it yeah. is, is basically, like, what, what that's what the league is pissed about. <laughs> like, exactly. It, it's, not a, it's not actually about what's happening. Because if it was actually about what's happening, there would have been way harsher punishments From the when jump. he was fucking punching a teenager allegedly like yeah i don't know if you read that washington post article that was way more alarming than anything going on in this this situation this is it inspired one of the greatest sam sheehan display names of all times yeah litigation against teens yeah litigation. <laughs> we need to litigate against the teens <laughs> what if a teenager what if a teenager was menacing java rant we must we must allow we must. <laughs> sometimes you've got to sue a teenager like you just got to do it. You got to do it, dude. You absolutely have to do it sometimes. Yeah. Oh my god. All right. Um I I have people tagging me in this post that is not slop, but I'm being asked is this slop? 
Uh, shout out to Drew Peltzman for tweeting me, uh, tagging me in this, saying, is this slop? There was a clip yesterday of Joel going around, which, by the way, I thought Joel handled the press conference yesterday pretty terribly. <laughs> I felt like, I like say, a lot of his quote about him and James was brutal. Okay, so that was the clip, but it was, yes. it, in defense of Joel, a little bit, it was taken out of context what he was saying. He was basically saying, I need to be better. Uh, I will get better. Uh, James needs to be better. We all need to get better. But at the end of the day, this is all about five on five. This is about the team always looking for different ways to get better and me leading them to that and blah, blah, blah. It was taken a little bit out of context. It do, it happens a lot with Embiid quotes because they go viral because he just – he's one of the only stars that actually says shit. Like, yeah. he's not we a talked boring about this star. Before. Yeah, he's not a boring we, star. Yeah, we, we talked about how the worst thing you can do as an NBA player is be interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah, if you're exactly. an active NBA player, you need to be as boring as possible. You need to be Jason Tatum and just say, like, platitudes absurdities sure. like respectfully uh, be as boring as possible he, that was the spiciest yeah. thing he's ever said respectfully i'm one of the best basketball players alive <laughs> yeah yeah and that that's something that like every other nba player will say after it that, yeah so and it's, also it, it's, just, because it's just like an objective fact here one of the 20 best players well i mean even better yeah. him, like in the nba like yeah. you're one of the 40 best players in the nba jason Tatum. Uh, right. After he scored 51 points on the team yesterday. Um, yeah. But so he goes, uh, uh, basically, he, that quote was the one that Dame tweeted and said, huh? Like, yeah. what are you talking? Like, what do you mean by this, essentially? And then someone tweeted at him and said, don't tr- fall for the short media snippets. Here's the full interview where he said this. And then he said, I saw the full and I love Embiid. I also love their roster. Did I miss or did you? Basketball talk is not personal. So I, I I don't deem that as slop because I will never believe that Damian Lillard will ever try to leave the the Portland Trailblazers. That talk about going from zero to sixty in terms of grind. That would be one of the that he would get grind whiplash for. A oh my god, going from the Blazers to the Sixers, dude. Yeah. That's like that's the, one of the biggest grind whiplashes of all time. It is weird to me that people keep saying that the Nets are the team that he wants to go to. Which, like, I guess he would want to go to the Nets because he'd still be the guy. And he, yeah. that that's the other thing about Embiid. And I've talked about this with a lot of people. Is like Embiid and Dame and all these guys are so good that they can't see themselves in the context of not being the guy. Like, yeah. they've always been the guy, and they've won MVPs, and Dame's got to the conference finals and been an all-star, all-NBA, first team, da-da-da, whatever. Like, there are levels to this that, like, yes, maybe Joel Embiid shouldn't have the ball as much as he does, but at the end of the day, he's still one of the best players in the league, so he's probably going to. So, like, it's hard to, like, envision a scenario in which any of these guys see themselves as second guys if anything, they would see it like a KD Steph situation where like they're they view each other as like equals essentially, and like you you have to be it's like a 50-50 thing where like I guess if Dame were to get traded, which I still don't think is going to happen, I still think I I mean I'm a truther. You're the Chicago Bulls truther. I'm the Portland Trailblazers yeah. truther. Uh, that they that the one point eight percent the number of God. <laughs> Let's go. Our the Bulls. Blazers have much better odds. They have like the fifth best odds, and I. Uh, we'll see tomorrow night if they get yeah. the um, if they get the uh, number one pick, but I, I I'm convinced they're going to get it, and then that team immediately becomes 
fucking stacked if they do. If they get Victor Webinyama, I just think about their starting five. Like they might trade Anthony Simons. They could still trade for Mikael Bridges in this scenario. And then your starting five next year could be like Dame, Sharp, Grant, maybe Mikael Bridges and Victor Webinyama. Like they're immediately like in the championship conversation. Yeah. That would be pretty incredible. Or even if you keep Simons, like you could maneuver some other shit. Like, man, if there's one team that 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 could make the leap to championship contender next year, it's it's that team if they get Victor tomorrow. Well, yeah. we'll learn we'll learn if they do or not. Um last thing, uh if you're if you're still on here, I will be doing I'll be doing multiple playbacks this week on there for streams. I'll be doing the draft lottery. I'll also probably do an Eastern Conference one later in the week. And then also I'm going to do about a week from now, I'm going to be doing, I'll have more information on this. It's actually in a few days. It's on Friday and Sunday. Um, I will be doing the EuroLeague finals. So I don't really follow the EuroLeague, but they were like, we'll pay you to do this. So I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be fun. I'm going to be giving out some passes. So follow me on social media and on Patreon and all that shit. Uh, and, and check it out in the Discord if you're part of the Uniball Patreon already so that you can find out more information about that. I'll be posting all about it all week, and uh, we'll be doing uh, both the Final Four on Friday and then on Sunday as well. So anything else you want to say, Sam, before we get out of here? Um, the So just remember, when Jeffrey Epstein wanted to start his organization, he bought real estate in Miami. Just something that is a fact. I'm not saying anything else about it. I'm just saying that he he set up shop in Miami for his stuff. So just something to remember. Interesting. Like, Very interesting but, fact. Yeah, this is a this is an objective fact I'd like everyone to remember. So <laughs> all right. So uh yeah, so anyway, go heat. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Uh. Christ.